Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. Maria Chavez again just said she doesn't want his name and his face to get lost in time. And so they were really trying to reignite this search um, for who killed her son. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. New at 11, a family searching for answers. 15 years now, I, I, I see hope. I'm, I feel hope that this is going to get solved. It's been 15 years since a teenager was shot and killed in Newport News, Virginia. No one has been arrested in the case, but his family is not giving up on finding answers. 15 years after someone shot 17-year-old Michael Zielberberg, his family is reigniting the search for his killer. What tragedy happened to us, I pray it doesn't, but it could happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. So please come forward if you know anything and uh, let justice be served. And if they have not given up hope, then we don't have any right to either. I hope today that we connect with someone who has a peace. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Sarah Hammond is joining us from WVC 13 News Now in Norfolk, Virginia. Sarah, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about Michael Zielberberg? Yes. So Michael Zielberberg Jr., um, from what I've learned from the family, he was 17 years old back in 2007. He was a senior at Heritage High School in Newport News. Um, His mother, Maria Chavez, told us that he was getting ready to graduate and head to college and was very, you know, excited about his future, um, you know, before his passing. You know, his family still up until, you know, the night he died, they described him as just a loving son. He was very kind. He was a friend to everybody um, and a jokester. And they they told me, you know, he was always cracking jokes and pranks. And uh, it was not lost on the family that he was killed just one day before April Fool's Day, which was his favorite um, holiday. He he was just empathetic. He was just amazing. He was a good soul. And so it was on the night of March 31st, 2007, then, that he was killed. Walk us through what exactly happened that night. So based on what we've heard from Newport News Police and from the family, um, on the night he died, March 31st, 2007, um, his relatives said at the time he was helping out his family uh, by babysitting his two young cousins, they, you know, in that that time frame, they asked him for some candy. Um, so he went down to the corner store on Chestnut Avenue, just right down the road. And as he was leaving the store and headed back to his cousins, um, that's when somebody shot him in the chest and and killed him that night. 
What does the immediate investigation look like here as police are called out to the scene and they they start to try to figure out what happened and who did this? So witnesses um, called police around seven o'clock that night. That's around when it happened. And they told them that they saw two people start shooting, you know, outside of the store and then run away from the scene. And that's really the only information that police um, have at this point on what exactly transpired that night. Have we ever learned about any sort of a possible motive in this case, any explanation for why this might have happened? No, and that's why um, his mother, Maria Chavez, was so shocked, understandably so, from losing her son, you know, back in 2007. And still now, because back in 2007, Newport News police said it could possibly have been a case of mistaken identity. And so that's what was, again, so shocking for his mother, because she said, you know, at the time she was so shocked because he'd always told her, you know, never worry about him going out because he was just friends with everyone. And so that, I believe, led investigators to hypothesize that it could have been a case of mistaken identity. As you mentioned, investigators were left with very little evidence to work with here. What ends up happening with this case as as months and, and years start to go by? The only thing I can really speak to to that is there's really just been no large-scale movement. Of course, um, police chief Steve Drew said they're they're always working on these on these cases, but just just they were really kind of at a standstill with the lack of information, the lack of people, you know, speaking up about what they might have seen that night. We just passed the 15th anniversary of Michael Zielberberg's killing. How did his family mark that day? So they all returned friends, family, extended family. Many of them now live in New York, but they returned to Newport News in that neighborhood and teamed up with Newport News police to go back through that neighborhood where where he died near Chestnut Avenue and pass out flyers, knock on doors, you know, get his name and his picture back out there, just hoping somebody remembers something from that night. And now, you know, 15 years later might feel comfortable um, speaking with investigators. Maria Chavez, again, just said, she doesn't want his name and his face to get lost in time. And so they were really trying to reignite this search um, for who killed her son. 15 years now, I, I, I see hope. I'm, I feel hope that this is going to get solved. Chavez, along with Michael's father, Michael Zilberberg Sr., and their extended family joined officers to knock on doors and pass out flyers, anything to bring about new leads in the case. I just wanted to come out and get his face, his name, back out into the community and see if somebody will speak up for him. Did you talk with Michael Zielberberg's family about what these past 15 years have been like for them, not only living without Michael, but but not knowing who killed him? Yeah, they say, obviously, they're still just, you know, grieving the fact that their son is is no longer with them. Um, it, they told me it's obviously very difficult not to have this closure or these answers. And that's just what they want so badly is closure on this case, just to know what happened. But they, um, when they returned to the neighborhood, a lot of their very young, you know, family members who were not born when Michael was, was alive, but they told me that they still, you know, talk about him and share stories about him and, and let these, this younger generation of their family really know who he was because he was such a 
large part of their family. And that's, you know, they tell me part of their, you know, their process just to keep moving forward and to, to keep driving them to figure out what happened. You went back into the archives at 13 News Now and found the station's coverage of Michael's killing from back in 2007. And the station spoke to his mother, Maria Chavez, back then. And it's just heartbreaking to hear this mother trying to figure out how this how this could have happened. Absolutely. You know, at the time, watching that footage back of the interview we, we did with her shortly after, you know, he was killed, she was, again, understandably in, in shock that this happened. And she was just saying he was just a wonderful person, had a bright future ahead of him. And she just couldn't believe this happened because she she knew and she knows just how open he was and friends with everyone. And it was just so shocking that someone would would do this to him. They shot him dead on the street and he was a good boy. He was very good. He was graduating in June and going to college and he had a future. Michael Zielberberg was so young when he was killed. He was 17 years old. And I imagine for his family, it's impossible not to think about everything he might have gone on to do over these past 15 years had this not happened. Yeah, his family, both his his mother, Maria Chavez, and his father, Michael Zilberberg Sr., um, they both described him, A, as, as a loving son. He was kind. He was a friend to everyone. She was telling me he was always bringing new people over to the house, and it was always a new friend that he had coming over, just very open um, and and just such a jokester. And in his obituary, the family wrote that he just had a passion for technical drawing, music, his family, and just, again, a heart of gold. In your reporting, Newport News Police Chief Steve Drew compares this case to a puzzle, saying that they just need some of the remaining pieces to kind of put it all together. Did he explain what are those missing pieces? What do investigators think it's going to take to finally solve Michael Zielberberg's case? He didn't go into a lot of detail. Um, he, Chief Steve Drew was not at the department when this first happened. So he kind of wanted to leave that with kind of the lead investigators on the case. But he did say, you know, they knew by going back into that neighborhood, they weren't going to find the answer, you know, that day, just knocking on doors. But he was hoping, you know, some, again, piece of the puzzle might get shaken loose to then just, you know, help them piece together what exactly happened. And they he was also talking about how, you know, 15 years later, there's a lot better and more advanced technology in the police department. And he was, you know, telling me that that's going to be a big part in, you know, finding out and, and solving this case finally is new technology and just hoping someone 15 years later may now feel comfortable coming forward with just, you know, one detail that police may not have had that night or, or saw something. Um, so that was kind of the goal of, of getting back out there and again, reigniting this search. Is there an incentive for somebody to come forward with information? Is there a reward in this case? There is a $1,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest in this case. Um, and if you know anything or want to contact police with anything you might've seen or anything you might've know, they're asking everyone to contact the crime line at one eight 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 lock you up, and you can also submit a tip online at www.p3tips.com. And both ways, you can remain anonymous. Sarah Hammond with WVEC thirteen News Now in Norfolk. Thanks for sharing this story. Of course, thank you for having me. 
And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever you're listening right now. If you're looking for more podcasts, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows, including our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. 